Welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, we are going to start our preview of the Super Bowl, the upcoming game between the Chiefs and the 49ers on Sunday. And today, we're going to talk about the battle in the trenches. We're going to talk about the line of scrimmage, and I am very excited to have this man on to talk about that. A longtime NFL player, my colleague at ESPN, one of the smartest people doing it, it is Damian Woody. Damian, how are you, sir? Bill, it is a pleasure. I am doing great, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm here in Vegas. I'm outside. There's like a roller coaster outside my window. We may get some roller coaster <laughs> sound in the background as we record here, but excited about this game. Really fun matchup. And I wanted to have you on, like I said, to talk about the battle in the trenches from a, a not only someone who watches the game closely now, but someone who played offensive line in the NFL for a long time. But but I have to start with this. Like I've never played in the Super Bowl. Not not something I expect to happen in the next few years for me. But thankfully, <laughs> I know someone who did play in a Super Bowl. So Damian, just from your perspective to start, what's it like? playing in a Super Bowl. What are your memories of that week, of, of, of that game? Like, like, what was your experience like? Did it feel different from a normal game for you? Yeah, listen, first of all, it was uh, unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Obviously, when you reach the pinnacle of your profession, um, it's something that, um, you know, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around. You you know, the Super Bowls, that the two Super Bowls that I were a part of, Super Bowl 36, against the Rams and then Super Bowl 38 against the Carolina Panthers, you you obviously felt the magnitude, how big it was by all the, you know, the the media presence and, and how it was covered. But I will I do have to say, um, you know, the way that Coach Belichick set everything up, uh, he made sure that we were dialed in. Like we didn't feel the the external, you know, uh pressure of the game per se. Uh he was just so focused on being present in the moment, you know, every meeting, every practice, every mm -hmm. hour of the day. He just he did not want you to focus on, um, you know, all the external festivities. He just wants you to focus on let's just finish the job. We've come this far. Let's finish the job. And once the job is done, then we can enjoy all the spoils mm -hmm. and everything that comes with it. But I think that's why how it was, I think, at least for me, what was so unique about both of those experiences. Mm -hmm. Did you, when the game started, like first snap of the game, were you like, oh man, this is the super, like, like was there a period where once the game started, you kind of had to settle in or from the first snap was it just like, no, this is business now that we're out here? Yeah, I, I will have to say uh, one moment that really, that really got me was uh, Super Bowl 36. It was, mm -hmm. the, it was a player introduction. I, obviously we were coming off 9-11 that, you know, mm -hmm. um, beginning right. of that year and Running out of the tunnel, Bill, I, 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 honestly, it might have been, you know, outside of, you know, my fa my immediate family. I don't know if mm -hmm. there's a moment that would ever match that. The energy, mm -hmm. the crowd, everything. And and once we got through the introduction, because uh, we came out, you know, as a team, we didn't come out mm -hmm. as, as individuals. But you like you literally once you got to the sideline, we had to like refocus because the energy was so crazy in the, in the mm -hmm. you know, down there in New Orleans that we had to refocus and say, okay, now, now we have a game to play. We got to really mm -hmm. focus on what's, what's important here. And that's going up against the greatest show on turf who was favored by yes. 14 points. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such a unique experience. Like I think people, 
think about the Patriots as like the favorites. They think about them as like, you know, the, the bullies, the evil empire in so many ways. Like you go that far back, it's like the Patriots were underdogs. They were the team that people were rooting for. It was like a, you know, like they were happy to be there almost. Like it was such a yep. different experience in the Patriots later on. In terms of that that Rams game, I have another question for you, and then we'll get to the game coming up on Sunday. From your perspective, uh, fourth quarter of that game, you've been leading pretty much the entire game. Rams come back and tie it up with like a minute and a half to go. And I know you weren't watching this, but John Madden was on TV saying, Bill yep. Belichick's got to go to overtime. <laughs> you got you got, a, you got you know, a second-year quarterback who's inexperienced. We didn't know what Tom Brady was going to be. He had, you know, he'd been hurt the prior game in the AFC Championship game. It wasn't like you know, we had the Brady magic that we knew from what's going to happen in the years to come. Bill Belichick did not kneel down and go to overtime. He sent Brady back out. You guys moved the ball, set up Adam Fanatieri for a game-winning field goal. From your perspective, in that moment, were you surprised that Belichick – you know, didn't kind of just like kneel on the ball and calm things down and go to overtime? Were you surprised that you guys tried to score and then did score and win the game? No, we weren't surprised. It's almost the discussion is almost like how, you know, analytics is viewed today. You know, there's mm -hmm. such a uh, there's such a discussion about analytics today. It's mm -hmm. almost like it almost mirrors that, you know, during that no during that during that period, because most people say, oh, OK, let's just kneel and go to overtime and play it out from there. But no, but Coach Belichick was was the thing was, uh, Bill was that like Bill knew our preparation mm -hmm. was so great, especially situational football. I think that's where we were just head and shoulders above everyone else. Was that in these in these certain situations, you know, we were so dialed in, and even against a, a really great opponent in the St. Louis Rams, it just felt like we would be able to make the necessary plays in order to execute in that moment to win that game, to put ourselves in position to win that game. And so he left no doubt. It wasn't even a big discussion about it. It was like, wow. okay, what's the, what's the, you know, what, what's going to be the opening play call? Because we all know in a two minute drive, the opening play call, um, it, 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 it's really a determining factor in how successful you're going to be mm -hmm. um, in the, you know, in a two minute drive. So mm -hmm. there was no, there was no discussion about, you know, taking a knee. It was, Let's go win it. Let's go win it right now. The J.R. Redmond drive. Yeah. Three catches on that drive. Troy Brown gets a 23-yarder. Local boy Jermaine Wiggins gets a six-yarder. And then Adam Vinatieri hits the field goal to win it. Pretty cool moment uh, for the Patriots. Pretty cool one for Damian Woody. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's talk about this Chiefs-Niners game. And, and I want to start on the Chiefs side of things from your perspective as a former offensive lineman. Now, you blocked for a lot of different quarterbacks over your career. I would venture to say, you can correct me if I'm wrong, nobody you blocked for is like Patrick Mahomes. How, <laughs> how much more difficult is it from you know, the perspective of a lineman 
how much harder is it to block for a quarterback from like Mahomes, given his pocket movement, given his, like his improvisational skills, given how he plays the game, versus like you know a Tom Brady where he's more just a traditional, you know, three step drop, five step drop. I'm getting the ball out. Yeah, you know, I, I I tend to like you know most people think that it's very difficult because when a quarterback with the athletic profile of Patrick Mahomes, people will think, oh well, you know. You, you don't know what a quarterback is, so he can kind of bait you in the holding calls and, and so on and so forth. But I just take a different view on it because of his his ability to maneuver not only inside the pocket but outside the pocket. Mm-hmm. Man, he just he can really save you from a lot of things that that goes on because teams brings all they bring all types of stunts and games, you mm-hmm. know, blitzes and all those type of things. And sometimes we need a quarterback to bail us out. It's not necessarily <laughs> – so, hey, Bill, it's it's not necessarily – You know, with Tom, it was from the neck up. You know, he was just so in tune with what defense was trying to do. But when you got a guy mm-hmm. who not only has the, the the football IQ from the neck up, but the athletic ability um, to, to really uh, punish and hurt um, the, the defense in those moments, man, that's an asset that you can't you, – you can't complain about at all. So I know for me – if I had a quarterback like that, man, I would be jumping for joy because we all we all know the ones that's like, a, you know, out of all the stats that people tend to use against linemen, the one, mm-hmm. you know, the one is sacks. You don't want to mm-hmm. have sacks attached to you, and Patrick Mahomes can get you out of a lot of those type of things. Yeah, he's an eraser when it comes to that stuff, and that's been a big thing for them. I'm writing about this. In my preview this this week for the Super Bowl, you know, like he's so good at avoiding sacks, at, at you know, taking pressures and either getting the ball out or getting away from the pressure or scrambling for a gain. Like he, so many negative plays that would exist with a different kind of quarterback get erased because of how good his movement is, you know, uh, in the pocket, out of the pocket. He, he's a, a difference maker. I mean, that Jets game. I know, of course, you watch the Jets closely. I'm sorry that you had to go through that this year, but the Jets, <laughs> that 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 Chiefs Jets game, so much of what the Chiefs did in that game was Mahomes scrambling. Absolutely, because you know, and that's part of the IQ of the quarterback, right? We talk about the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Well, listen, in certain situations, mm-hmm. for you to know that, okay, this team plays man in this particular situation, you're able to go out there, survey what the defense is doing, and then know, hey, let me just take off because their backs are turned. Like, those mm-hmm. are back-breaking type of plays. And in that game, Bill, as you well know, he did that quite a few times. That really broke down that Jets defense and mm-hmm. ultimately ended up scoring the game. When it, you know, he helped you know, facilitate the game winning uh, score in that game. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of what we talk about. The, the one thing that I love about Patrick Mahomes is it seems like he keeps his team on schedule. He doesn't, yep. he doesn't have negative plays. People don't mm-hmm. understand how incredibly important that is because it's hard to have 10, 12 play drives because one negative play can just uh, just absolutely, you know, kill a drive. But it mm-hmm. just doesn't seem like it that happens with Patrick Mahomes. He keeps his team on schedule. He doesn't t- he doesn't have many turnover worthy plays. Um, and that's important, especially when you're going up against a really good opponent. So huge. And, and especially now that he's throwing shorter passes, that offense is not as explosive as it was during the Tyreek Hill days. They have to be efficient. They have to stay on schedule. And he does such a good job at that. And he gets help. I mean, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is a great player, but they have uh, Travis Kelsey. They have Isaiah Pacheco. And they have, especially on the interior of their line, a very good offensive line. But that is with Joe Tooney involved, who's been such a big part of their offense line over the past couple of years since leaving from the Patriots. We don't know if he's going to play. It's 
touch and go as we record this. He suffered a, a pec injury in the Bills game, did not play against the Ravens. Obviously, he's a great player, Damian, but in terms of the preparation, in terms of the continuity, in terms of, you know, just the familiarity of having a player next to you on the line and having to sub somebody else in fresh off the bench, how much does it hurt? Like, I, how, how do you have to change the way you prepare and how, the way you play as a lineman with, you know, having a, a new player step in next to you in a big moment like this? Yeah, Bill. So, you know, so much about offensive line play is about continuity, right? You know, that's what mm-hmm. it's all about because ultimately you want to be able to, you want to get to a point as off, on the offensive line where you don't even have, you know what the guy next to you is going to do without even making a call. You know, those mm-hmm. are the really elite um, offensive lines. We've seen some of these, some of these lines, you know, especially in the in the latter part of the season and in the postseason. So when you take out a player like Joe Tooney, I mean, it definitely hurt because always I'm always I always feel like you're only as good as the guy that you're playing next to, right? Yep. And so mm-hmm. when you take out an All Pro type player, it hurts. But we're, but Bill, I'm glad that you brought up Joe Tooney because it just shows you. And I just go back to you know last week's game in the AFC Championship game. Think about mm-hmm. that. You're on the road against Baltimore. You don't have your all-pro player at guard. And just think how well the Kansas City Chiefs executed on offense. Yep. Now, they didn't. They only scored three points in the second half, but the way they were able to manage the game, you know, all those type of things, it just speaks to not only, you know, not only the, the greatness of the, of, the, of the coaches, particularly Andy Reid and the coaching staff, and mm-hmm. by the way, for people out there who don't know, Andy Reid is a former offensive lineman, so mm-hmm. he would know how to handle that situation. But everyone involved being able to, you know, being able to adapt, you know, and adjust with a with a very fine player being out, um, you know, that like those type of things, they don't tend to like be talked about on, you mm-hmm. know, in, in the media. But as a former player, I know how important you know, it is for guys to adapt and adjust when you have, those, you know, that type of player out in those type of situations. It's so big. And, you know, like Nick Allegretti did a good job. He, like he had his moments here and there. I think he, yes. you know, they, they, they kind of held him up a bit on that fourth and one where they got stuffed. But, like, you don't have to be perfect. And you're going to have moments where you're not an all-pro caliber guard. That's just the reality. You don't have all-pro players on your bench. But I thought they did such a good job. You know, they protected Mahomes. He... Yeah, Mahomes did work as well, but they were effective running the football. They controlled the clock against the Ravens. Like that was a, you know, a really complete performance, I think, from that Chiefs offense. One other guy I want to talk about on the Chiefs, and this is why one of the reasons I had you on, you of course played many positions on the offensive line. I don't know how you did this. You're a lunatic managing to play multiple offensive line spots at a high level, but you are a center at one point in your career. And Creed Humphrey, the center of the Chiefs, is a very good center. But he's had an issue snapping the ball, multiple low snaps during the game last week. And I was going back and I was watching the Eagles game from last year, not to watch Humphrey, just kind of watching in general, kind of get some, you know, just just refresh my mind before this game. And even that third down play where uh, James Bradbury holds right at the end of the game, another yeah. low snap from Creed Humphrey. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just I wonder, like, from your perspective. Creed Humphrey's a good player. Obviously, he's not sitting there thinking, man, I don't care about where the snap goes. I'm going to put it low and Patrick will figure it out later. Like, he wants to deliver good snaps. But why do you think we see centers, even good centers, have an, have an issue with snapping the ball low or, or rolling the ball on the ground here or there? What do you think's happening there? Well, you're, you're, you're talking to the exact right guy in this moment. Because <laughs> I, had this, I had this exact same issue. Uh, you know, when when I was uh, when I was playing early on in my career as well, and, and, and I think it's for a couple reasons. Number one, you're so 
mentally tied up into okay, I got I got this guy right over top of mm-hmm. me. I got to make the I got to make these calls because everyone knows the quarterback. I mean, the center is the quarterback of the offensive line. You're trying yep. to lay calls, you know, all these type of things. And, you know, the Chiefs are playing on the road, so you got to deal with crowd noise. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that goes into it. And sometimes just the most basic thing is taken for granted, and it's just a quarterback-center exchange, right? Like that, no mm-hmm. play starts without the quarterback-center exchange. And a lot of it has to do with just the rhythm in which you're snapping the ball. It's the mm-hmm. rhythm, you know what I mean? It's the rhythm in how you're doing it. Because anytime you break rhythm, you know, that's how you get these low snaps. And then sometimes it becomes psychological. Um, so those are the, I think those are the two things that, that I think for most centers who have those type of issues, particularly in the game, those are the things that, that, that typically lead to these type of low snaps. Was it something where like, you know, during practice you'd snap and there'd be no issue. And then in the game, you'd struggle with it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I go out there, go out there and practice and just, you know, Boom! Perfect. Boom! Perfect. Boom! Perfect. Boom! Perfect. And then you get in the, you get in the game, and you know it, it's the the you know everything that comes with the center position, and and mm-hmm. you know you're focusing all everything you know focusing on line calls, make sure everyone is is where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. and then but your rhythm isn't there, and then it turn and then once your rhythm's not there, then it becomes a you know a psychological thing because you get to the sideline and your co- your the quarterback or the coach will be like hey man you you snap below <laughs> or your snap is to the left or to the right you know because listen the quarterback's job is is hard enough as it is yeah they don't talk, you compound that with you know low snaps and the quarterback got to deviate off his spot to try to you know try to catch your snaps it just makes you know makes his job a lot harder so you know I've been there I get it and it's um it, it definitely can wear on you you know. You know, it can wear on you mentally. Is there anything that you found helped? You know, did you feel like you fixed it at some point? Yeah, listen, for me, man, it was just more of just trying to relax. It's just mm-hmm. relaxing and just and just don't just being in rhythm. Okay, don't mm-hmm. do anything different. The technique is the technique. It, it's not anything. It's not anything that that's rocket science. But you just mm-hmm. literally just 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 toss the ball back to the quarterback. It's just really that simple. Just toss the ball back to the quarterback. Everything else is going to be fine. And as long as you have that men- have that in your mind mentally, that should kind of rectify the situation. Man, that is something that did not occur to me. Just just relax. Just chill. That's yeah. like the anxiety of just living on a day-to-day basis is too stressful for me, let alone the anxiety of being <laughs> an NFL center. I don't, I don't, again, one of the many reasons I could not do the job you did. Let's switch to the 49ers perspective. And obviously, you look at their line, the guy who stands out is Trent Williams. Um, from your perspective, how dominant of a player is he in your eyes? How does he compare to the great left tackles you saw, you played with, um, you played against in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, listen, you're talking about, you know, probably the preeminent left tackle of, of kind of this era. And, you know, the one thing about mm-hmm. Trent is, you know, I marvel – at his athletic ability. I think Trent is like, what, 34? I mean, think about it. Like, for a guy his age to be as athletic mm-hmm. as he is, even at, even at the age he's at right now, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah, he has the technique, he's the strength and all type of thing, but it's the athletic ability to be able to do things that, quite honestly, a lot of, a lot of guys just can't do. And so mm-hmm. I look at him and, you know, for me, when I think of, like, left tackles, I think of, like, Walter Jones. Like, Walter mm-hmm. Jones, to me, is the – he is the, he is the staple. He is, you know, what everybody – every every tackle aspires to be. And mm-hmm. for me, Trent Williams is, is a guy that's, 
he's up there. He's up there because he's he has everything you want, but the athletic ability just really stands out. Yeah, I mean, he's 35 years old. and Oh, I, I, my bad. I thought he was 34. You undersold him. You, you yeah. said he's a spry, he's a spry 34-year-old. I'm sure he appreciates that. Um, hey, I remember a couple of years ago, they were bringing him in motion and using him to, like, you know, kick out uh, the, the lineman on the other side of the field, like, you know, before uh, at the snap. Like, that's not something you do with offensive linemen in general, let alone at that point, 33, 34-year-old offensive lineman. Just he's... It feels like he's one of a kind right now. Uh, I would agree. Like, it's rare. Like, I remember that, that uh, I think it was a Green Bay game playoff game where you just saw him, you know, in motion, you know, the way that the 49ers yeah. like to do a lot of their uh, running plays where they have mm-hmm. guys in motion. And you just saw, wait, I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wait a minute. Did I just <laughs> see Trent Williams running in motion on, on that running play? Like, it just, it's, it's a freak show, man. He, he's literally a freak show. Yeah, it is, it is such a unique thing. It's sort of like, you know, like you see Jason Kelsey and he, he pulls more than the vast majority of centers. He's leading on lead draw more often than most centers, it feels like. Um, you know, Trent Williams is kind of that player at left tackle. But you look at the other guys on this line. It's not stars. It's not expensive players. It's Jake Brendel, Colton McKivitz, Aaron Banks, John Feliciano. Um, you know, guys signed for not much money. Day two, day three picks, undrafted guys. And again, I feel bad bringing up the Jets again, but I know you pay close attention to the Jets. I know you watch their line fall apart this year. Mm-hmm. The Niners have a line that's not like expensive outside of Trent Williams. There's not stars. There's not you know guys who are household names. There's not first round picks. It's undrafted free agents, guys who are day yep. two, three, three players. So how do you, or what do you attribute the? the success of the Niners managing to thrive on offense with these guys who aren't household names, who aren't big money players. How are they pulling this off? Uh, well, comparing it to just number one thing, they are available, right? And what I mean, <laughs> when I say available, that means they're playing, you know, the one yep. thing is you, in the, in the Joe Douglas, Robert Sala era, you know, that's probably been the most glaring thing. And there's been a lot of glaring things as it relates to the Jets organization, but that's mm-hmm. probably been the most glaring thing is their offensive line and their inability um, to have guys playing together for any extended period of time. Like, mm-hmm. in order for you to become a great offensive line, or just a good offensive line, you have to play together. Because you literally, your number one job as a, as a, as a line coach, you got to get five guys to play as one. And so mm-hmm. you can't do that if guys are constantly hurt or out. And that's the one thing, the, you know, these great offensive lines, you know, we talk about, you know, whether it was the Philadelphia Eagles last year, or the Detroit Lions this year, you know, we talk about the San Francisco 49ers. The common thread, common denominator, yes, they do have good players. But nine times out of ten, these guys are playing together. They're not out injured. Um, so if you want to be a good offensive line, you got to be available. And, the, and, the, and clearly yeah. the 49ers pretty much have been available all season long. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. And it, it is something that we underestimate, you know, I think – for a lot of fans, I don't want to, you know, obviously fans are not going to pay attention to the stars and the, the playmakers. Like, the thing you see about the line is the graphic as the game starts and you see the five linemen and you're like, oh, that guy's missing. Or, oh, I don't know who that guy is. But it's such a big difference maker. And the Niners have been, really have had a couple injuries here and there, but relatively healthy. Whereas the Jets, I mean, down to third and fourth string linemen at different stretches. Guys like Dwayne Brown, um, who weren't able to stay healthy. Elijah Vera Tucker, um, not able to stay healthy. It's just been brutal for them this year um 
from your perspective, and this is more of a, a general offensive question, and I, I just thought about this thinking about how, you know, Bill Belichick approached that game against the Rams, and the Rams had so many stars on offense. They had Marshall Falk, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, even Ricky Prohl. Um, you know, they had such a talented offense. And Bill Belichick said, okay, we're going to beat up Marshall Falk. We're not going to stop him, but we're going to, you know, he's going to be the focal point of what we try to stop on this offense, and we'll figure yes. out the rest from there. So yes. from your perspective, look at the Niners. It's, it, it might be better, frankly. This is a legit historic group of weapons here. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, even Kyle Juszczyk is going to make plays in this offense. If you're Steve Spagnuolo, you're the defensive coordinator of the Chiefs, and there's one guy from that bunch where you feel like, okay, if we slow this guy down, we have a chance. So we're going to make sure we do something to either slow down or remove that guy from the game plan. Who do you think he should be targeting to try and at least slow down in the context of that offense? Yeah, it's easy for me. It's Christian McCaffrey. I mean, mm -hmm. listen, just to, you know, you know, during that Super Bowl, um, the week of that Super Bowl 36, Bill used to, he was just pounding everybody's head that Marshall Falk was the head of the snake. As great mm -hmm. as Kurt Warner was and obviously Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, it was Marshall Falk who was the engine behind the whole thing. And it's the same thing with the, with the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey is the engine to the whole thing. And we know that as much as we, we you know, as much as we talk about this Chiefs defense and how good they've mm -hmm. been um, throughout the year and in the postseason, they're actually vulnerable against the run. I mean, yep. think about it. They, they, they've been very vulnerable against the run. And so if you're Steve Spagnuolo, the, the, the one person you got to, you know, make sure you got to take away is Christian McCaffrey because we know that, at, listen, at, at, his, at, his, at his core, Kyle Shanahan wants to run the football. He wants to run the football because everything is predicated off of that. Yep. Um, so if you take away Christian McCaffrey, now you now you're putting you're putting a lot more, you know, Debo Samuel, you know, tr you know, they got to implement him more in the, in the run game, and, and mm -hmm. other people are going to kind of they got to kind of rise up the ladder as far as importance, um, as far as what what they want to do offensively. But I think it starts with Christian McCaffrey. If you take him away and somehow, some way, put this thing on Brock Purdy's shoulders. At the end of the day, you're going to say, okay, I like my guy, Patrick Mahomes, better than that guy. And mm -hmm. if he beats me, if he if he beats me, I can live with that. But I can't mm -hmm. live with Christian McCaffrey going off and doing the things that we've been accustomed to seeing him doing. You were 100% correct in terms of the, the Chiefs' weakness there. Their run defense has been a problem. Niners' run defense has been a problem. I know we talk about the yep. quarterbacks. We talk about the passing game all we want. This could be a game where it's going to be about who can run the ball more effectively or who can stop the run more effectively uh, between these two teams. But now, as we finish up here, Damian, you know I got to ask, give me a prediction. Who do you think is winning this game and why do you think they're winning the game? Yeah, I'm, I'm going Chiefs in this game. I'm going Chiefs over the 49ers and I think it's going to be a very close game. It's going to be a very physical game. But there's a couple things that, that I that I look at. Number one, um, I, I look at Andy Reid. I look at Patrick Mahomes. I look at how well coached this team is. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo's done a tremendous job with this defense. Mm -hmm. um, they don't allow they don't allow a lot of explosive plays. That means they they force you to be patient and go the long hard route, um, which a lot of teams struggle with. Um, and and ultimately, for me, I look at number fifteen, the quarterback. 
This guy is – he's everyone knows generational. But you know what he mm-hmm. does? He manages the game better than sure anyone does. else in the league because he doesn't turn the ball over. He makes the right plays when, when, it, when it's needed most. And when you have that, I, I just think that that's the, that's the best commodity that you can have playing at the quarterback position, a guy who won't lose the game. More teams – and this is a Bill Belichick quote. He said it all mm-hmm. the time. More teams find ways to lose games than win them. And when I got mm-hmm. a quarterback as special as Patrick Mahomes who doesn't turn the ball over, who doesn't push up, put the team in bad positions, I'll take that over anybody. So that's why I'm going with the Chiefs. Can I tell you a story, Damian, as we finish up here about the I last time these time. two teams played? Okay, this is a story I for love, you. Yep. I I, I I picked the Niners to beat the Chiefs. I was like, their defensive line is great. They have they're better running the football. The Chiefs have weaknesses in their secondary. Their defense isn't very good. And man, for three quarters of that game, I felt so smart. The Niners were dominating, beating them <laughs> up up front. They were just they were whipping them. Mahomes was turning the ball over. I was like, man, I am so smart. I can't wait to just brag about how I got this game right. And then the fourth quarter happened. And then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I, I I have to spend the next 15 minutes rooting against Patrick Mahomes and hoping he doesn't do something <laughs> great. And I was like, you know, what? I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this to myself again. If they get back here, I am picking the Chiefs every time. And I have picked the Chiefs every time since. And I will have to pick the Chiefs here because I don't want to have to put myself through four quarters of hoping Patrick Mahomes does not make magic happen. Bill, I picked against the Chiefs against Buffalo. I mm-hmm. picked against the Chiefs against the Ravens. Do you really think I'm going to pick against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? <laughs> there is no way in the world I'm picking against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in the, in the, on the biggest stage. I'm not just, just not doing it. I'm not doing it. Yep. Exactly what you said about that, making Brock Purdy beat you. If Brock Purdy beats me, I'm good. I will say, you know what? I'll tip my cap, Brock Purdy. I don't want to have to make Patrick Mahomes beat me with this prediction. So I'm, I'm going Chiefs as well. But Damien, it's a blast having you on. I learned more about how offensive linemen think than I knew before coming into this show. I learned more about the battle in the trenches. That was exactly what I was hoping to have happen. Thank you so much for hopping on. Bill, thank you for having me on, man. It was, it was a pleasure. All right, thanks so much to Damian Woody. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Plenty of other audio happening this week. We have another show coming as well with NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal talking more about the passing side of things. Greg has not played in the Super Bowl like Damian, but Greg, a very astute football follower, someone I love talking to about the game. And we have the audio from our live show coming as well. Myself, Kevin Clark, Mina Kimes, and Dominique Foxworth breaking down the Super Bowl from our live podcast here in Vegas. We'll have the audio from that in our feed. So plenty of audio for you to listen to here as we get ready for the Super Bowls. Thanks so much for listening and more coming later this week.